Hello, and welcome to the Queen's Observatory Fast Radio Bursts. I am Connor Stone, here with my co-host, Nikhil Aurora. It is our mission to bring exciting space news hot off the telescope and into your ears. One, in one way or another, the Queen's Observatory has continued its practice of sharing the wonders of the universe since 1857. Thank you for joining us in this long-running tradition. Here at Fast Radio Bursts, we will answer your questions, interview astronomers, and dive deep into breaking research. From low Earth orbit to the clouds of Venus, from Betelgeuse to colliding black holes, it's a big universe to talk about, so let's get started. Welcome everyone to our first ever podcast. My name's Connor Stone, as you heard in the intro. I'm here with Nick. Nick, can you say hi? Oh, hi everyone. How are you feeling today about this podcast? Actually, very excited. I think this is going to be a new avenue that we're going down, and it should be full of new adventures and new excitement. So, pretty positive. Yeah, that's really our goal with this podcast here. We're not going to be diving into any astronomy. We're just going to tell you a little bit about where the observatory has come from and where it's headed with this new podcast program. So, we'll start actually just by uh, introducing ourselves. We will describe a bit of the history of the observatory, and then talk about our mission with this Fast Radio Burst podcast. So why don't, why don't you lead us off, Nick, and can you introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. As I said, I am Nicola Aurora. I go by the name Nick. I'm a PhD student here at Queen's University, but on the side, or maybe not on the side anymore, actually, pretty significantly, I work as the Queen's Observatory co-coordinator, where Connor and I work together putting together public outreach programs for the Queen's Observatory. It kind of takes over your life a little bit running it, the observatory. It, <laughs> no kidding there, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, all TA jobs end up taking quite a bit of time, I mean, but the Queen's Observatory is just so rewarding, right? Yeah, indeed, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to actually put together these public outreach programs where people from Kingston, Ontario, where we are, right now, essentially come in, chat with us, get a chance to actually play hands-on with the telescope to some extent, and go back home pretty happy. And that's what I think is fairly enriching about this experience. Yes, and we're, we're definitely going to get into a bit more of that, but why don't you tell us more about yourself? What do you study? Oh, that's a good idea. Um, I study galaxies. Um, my main aim is to understand why do galaxies in the universe today look the way they do? or what influences their shape, face, size, and appearance. So my idea is to understand. So when you think of galaxies, you just think of collections of stars. And my sort of scientific journey is to understand how do stars form in a galaxy, or what prevents or accelerates or encourages star formation or formation of new stars in a galaxy. So that's essentially what I do when I'm not at the Queen's Observatory. Yeah. And you spend all your time looking through telescopes or? No, that's a good point. So it's a mixture um, in astronomy. You can do either look through telescopes, collect data, or you can work on models and simulations. And I am sort of in the middle. I do both of them. I do have my hands in many jars right now. So I some projects that I work on, I work on data. Other projects that I work on, I work with simulations and models and astronomy, yeah. All right. Now, um... You might imagine I'm asking those questions a little facetiously because I know the answers. Um, <laughs> so now I should probably describe what I study, which is yeah. actually very similar. 
What do you do, Connor? So I, I'm also an observatory coordinator and I'm also studying galaxies. I'm much more focused on the observations. So I don't deal with galaxy simulations really much at all. And in my observations, I have been trying to put together lots of different collections of data to see what the connection between them tells me about the galaxies. And I try to study the scatter of scaling relations, which, um, as you might imagine, a larger galaxy is also a heavier galaxy, is also a brighter galaxy. But uh, two galaxies that are the same size might not be the same brightness exactly. There's still a little bit of variation. And my goal right now, at least, is to try and figure out exactly how much variation and where it comes from. So that's the quick version of what I study. That's not really our main goal for today. So I think I'll stop it there with my description. And we should probably move on to the observatory, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Connor, tell us some things about the observatory. Right. So as you already mentioned, it's located in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University. It's on top of Ellis Hall. And actually, if you're walking right down uh, University Avenue, you can sometimes see the little dome on top of the building. Uh, that's, that's where our observatory is. And we have a, a nice little room underneath that observatory for holding all of our equipment. It's called the uh, warm room. Yes, the so-called warm room, which is not really that warm during it's, Canadian it's winters, not is at it? All, though. <laughs> but there's a reason for that. And we'll get to the reason shortly as well. Yeah, we probably should cover that. Um, yeah. So let's see, how long has the observatory been around? Yeah. That's, it's a bit of a tricky question because the observatory has actually moved multiple times. But as an institution, the Queen's Observatory has really been around since 1857, as we say in the intro, which is actually older than Confederation Canada, um, which I like, I like to tell people because it it makes the observatory seem important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at one point of time, we were going as the Kingston Observatory. but Yeah, then... that's how it got started, yeah. Yeah. All right, so next, we should probably talk about what we do with the observatory. Yeah. Have so... you ever taken data at the observatory? So me personally, I have not taken any data at the observatory, but I know that there used to be a time at the Queen's Observatory. Well, when it was the Kingston Observatory, scientists back in the 1800s used to do a lot of science with it. They used to keep track of the stars, do timing for the Kingston City Council, and a lot of other science. I think more recently, at least since the time I have been here in Kingston, I have not seen any data been taken. But that's, there's a reason for that, and that's because Queen's University and therefore Queen's Observatory is located in the heart of Kingston, downtown Kingston. And so we suffer quite a bit of light pollution here, which does not always allow us to get high quality data that we as astronomers or professional astronomers might really need. So, yeah. Yeah, if you've ever been on top of Mauna Kea or in the middle of the like Atacama Desert, you can, yeah. you can tell right away the sky is so much more brilliant there than it is when you're in the middle of a city and scientists really want the best data they can get you're not going to get that in the middle of light pollution no that said we have used the observatory for uh, some classes in the past there have been some undergraduate projects that have been 
have taken place where people have actually picked up the older telescope that we used to have here at the observatory. We're going to talk about what kind of telescopes we have in a minute, but the older telescope that we had at the observatory definitely was used in at least second year undergraduate astrophysics classes where they would run their own projects with it. And there was one project where they built a radio telescope. It basically looked oh. like a big satellite dish. It's still in the roof, uh, on the roof right now. It's still on the roof, but no one knows how to use it. And <laughs> I think even the people who made it, I, the, the best they could do, I think, was detect the sun. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem with that was that the cellular towers here are actually blocking quite a bit of the radio sort of light, radio light, radio waves coming from the universe. And so all they could pick up is either the sun or you guys talking in some way on the phones. Yeah, but it's all encrypted. So they, it's just noise. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially just noise for them. Yeah. Yeah. So what all kind right. of telescopes do we have? Do we want to go through that maybe? Yeah, we might as well do that next. So okay. um, there's the main telescope. We've got the big dome for that. Uh, that's 14 inch, 14 inches wide. It uh, is a reflector telescope. So it uses mirrors to focus the light. And this is sort of the star of our show. When we do our open houses, we make people listen to some science for a while, and then we get to take them up and actually show them some cool things in space in the, with the telescope. Um, but we've got some more, we've got more stuff than just that. The, the observatory has accumulated some pretty cool telescopes. So why don't you tell us about some of those? Yeah, I think one of my favorites that has, that is a part of the Queen's Observatory collection of telescopes, so to say, apart from the 14-incher up in the dome, is, is definitely the Questar. The Questar is this really tiny telescope, which I would say is about 10 centimeters across. If a little bit there, more. yeah. Yeah, and, but it is so good to observe the moon with. I think one of the best picture qualities when it comes on a clean night, when it comes to looking at the moon, definitely yeah. comes with the Questar. In the winter, you get such a crisp image. Yeah, you can see the craters on the moon, and, and some really sharp details. And so I think that is one of my favorite uh, telescopes to work with, if not the big one up on top. Then we also yeah. have a solar telescope, right? Yeah, we do. Uh, solar telescope is what we use for our daytime tours. So, or at least what we used to use for our daytime tours. And uh, so that is built solely for looking at the sun. And it's got a filter that blocks out essentially all of the light, except for a specific wavelength of red light. And doing that allows us to look at how the hydrogen on the surface of the sun moves around. And we can even see the convection currents and little flares. Usually there's a little, a little flare called a prominence that's visible somewhere around the edge. And on good days, you can get a big one. Those are fun. There's a dark spot on the sun today. Um, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. And so something that if we were still open at the Queen's Observatory, we could have actually gone and observed the dark spot. That's a pretty um, big deal. Since I've yeah. taken on being an observatory coordinator, the sun has been at a minimum. And so it's been really boring to look at. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's getting towards the higher peaks of um, activities. So I think by the time we are in the next couple of years, when we are towards the end of our PhDs, I think we will be able to see some significant solar flares and, that would be and prominences. Great. I hope I'd love so. to take a video. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, let's um, let's let's now talk about the open houses, sort of the pre-pandemic thing that we used to do here. 
uh, the Queen's Yeah, so I, I alluded to that, but uh, why don't you describe the main program? And yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I think so. We used to every second Saturday of the month. This was our main program, the big show, essentially for the Queen's Observatory. It used to be what we called open house, where we would open up the doors for free to the public to actually come in and observe through our telescope. Um, before anything that started, we will, of course, this was, of course, a lure, so we will actually make them sit through a 20 to 30 minute science talk. But generally, those science talks were really, really interesting. Connor once took out a cookie to break it apart we, and eat it in the middle of a talk. We, we tried to make some cool, to get some cool topics. We, we covered all sorts of neat stuff, including uh, like astronomy in the Marvel universe, which yeah. was fun. Uh, we've done life on other planets, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We've, yeah. And then there was the cookie talk, which apparently has become cookie notorious. Talk. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. There have been other talks as well. The black hole pig image that came out. Oh, last that was year. really cool. Yeah. yeah Sean did a good drew, job with that one. Yeah. That, that drew a big crowd as well. There was and a Chris, talk about Christine Speckens with yeah. her talk about. Um, the square kilometer array in radio astronomy. That was one of our biggest crowds ever. That one we did record, so that's on our YouTube channel if anyone wants to check it out. Um, We do have a YouTube channel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was the idea. Once they were done with the talk, we would actually bring the people up to the telescope and have them look through it. But one of, I think in my opinion, because I used to be in the not so warm, warm room, um, during the winters here. Um, I think one of the most amazing things was the conversations that would come out of first the talk and then people coming in with all sorts of questions about astronomy. That's Are there aliens there? Yeah, what's in the black hole? I think some of those conversations did lead to, or some of those questions rather did lead to some really good conversations. And that's sort of what was the big part about the open house for sure. Yeah, getting getting breaking down those barriers between scientists and anyone else who wants to come to these events that that was really the goal yeah and that's what we're going to try and do here yeah and so that's a little bit of a different world yeah that's the idea over here at the queen's observatory podcast so connor what are we calling it and why are we calling it what are we what we are calling it right so as you've probably heard a couple times at this point we're calling this fast radio bursts which is sort of just a funny play on a little mystery in astronomy right now fast radio bursts are these curious intense bursts of radio wavelength light that astronomers have been observing for a while now some of them seem to repeat some of them seem to not repeat we don't exactly know where it comes from but uh since we're coming to you through presumably radio waves we're, we're calling our podcast The Fast Radio Bursts. Yeah, that's pretty cheeky, I would say. Yeah, I, the, at, at The Fast Radio Bursts or this podcast, I think our, our mission is to bring in various different kinds of topics here in astronomy. And those could be topical, like, for example, our first co- podcast, Connor is essentially going to lead us through the phosphine discovery on, on Venus. Um, yes, get excited for that. <laughs> and but... Also, some popular topics. I know black holes is a big one. I think we will talk about extraterrestrial life and exosolar planets at one point of time. Basically, the idea is to dive deep into some popular topics in astronomy and 
also bring in scientists, feature scientists from here at the Queen's Observatory and the Queen's University, even Royal Military College here in, in Kingston, Ontario, to listen to what they do, basically. I mean, we um, can also take advantage of the uh, nature of this virtual world and interview people from other universities if we can get them to talk to us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully but, someone will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in any case, we're going to bring you some cool topics, some cool ideas, and some cool walking through the universe. Maybe, Connor, you can tell us what some potential topics that we have in the store for us here. Yeah, so um, first up is phosphine on Venus. We've sort of locked that one in. Everyone loved that topic when we did our poll, so guaranteed to do that one. Next up will probably be the black hole merger. So recently, it was announced that LIGO had detected a black hole merger that created a 142 solar mass black hole, which is just gigantic and classifies it all the way up as a intermediate mass black hole. So there's, why is it an intermediate mass black hole? Why is it a big deal that we found an intermediate mass black hole? All this sort of stuff we're going to talk about. Um, there was also another big thing in the news recently, uh, closer, closer to the beginning of the year. Uh, Beetlejuice just sort of got dimmer all of a sudden, and everyone was really excited about that. So we were going to sort of get into more detail about why is it exciting that Beetlejuice got dimmer? What was it that really happened? I'm not going to give away the story um, <laughs> in our intro podcast. So those are, those, those are definitely topics we're going to cover, and we're going to keep up to date with whatever is going on in astronomy. But other topics that we might get into are... Um, TESS, the exoplanet hunting telescope out in space, the newest iteration looking for exoplanets, and how it was designed, what its mission really is, and how well it's done at that mission, because it actually recently completed its primary mission and it's moved on to secondary mission. Another one was uh, Parallax. So we got a, um, a really special look at Parallax recently when the, I think, New Horizons telescope actually uh, took an image at the same time as another telescope. And because New Horizons is so far out in our solar system, we could actually see the parallax, the movement of the star, because of the relative viewing angle that that telescope had compared to our telescope here on Earth. Yeah. So parallax is really, really critical for astronomy. We will also maybe go through some basic topics, such as basics of telescopes. Why Connor hinted earlier on in sort of this intro podcast that Mauna Kea and the Atacama Desert, Mauna Kea in Hawaii and Atacama Desert in Chile are these amazing places to look at um, the stars and galaxies and the universe with. So why is that? We're going to go through that. We, maybe we're going to go through basics of stars. Why can't we see green colored stars why do we in the universe see only red and blue stars so these would be some of the potential topics that we will cover but also along with this we also want to not just talk amongst each other connor and i we want to keep this an open dialogue or an open conversation with the public just like it used to be in the open houses when we could have people indoors uh we're going to answer your questions as well so when you listen to these podcasts, you can always reach out to us, as it was said earlier on in the openings of this podcast, via email, and we'll get back to you almost as soon as possible, essentially immediately, because Connor and I are very free 
just sitting and waiting to talk to you. I think that's our first priority. We love talking to people, the public outside. And so as soon as we get questions, we can't wait to respond to them. Is that right, Connor? Exactly. And if email doesn't work for you, we've got our social media. We've got a Twitter account. We've got Facebook. We've got YouTube. If you just look up Queen's University Observatory, you'll find us pretty quick. We've got the same logo everywhere, so you know that it's us. Um, and we're we're constantly checking those, so we we can get back to you if you have a burning astronomy question. Yeah, that that might pop us pop to you because you heard something in the news, or that came to you because you heard something interesting during this podcast during these fast radio bursts. Yeah, so that's essentially what our mission for this podcast is going to be. So we talked a little bit about what our first podcast is going to be. Connor, do you want to give us a trailer about the podcast and and when it's going to come out? Maybe. So phosphine on Venus, a bioindicator gas. What what does that mean? How was it discovered? And where are we going in the future with this sort of science? You can come check us out. On September 29th, we're going to release the podcast. So hopefully we stick to our timeline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we are well known in science to stick to timelines here definitely oh yeah just ask everyone at the james webb team um, <laughs> which is going to be one of our potential topics by the way but oh yeah, yeah james uh, webb is so cool but yeah yeah that's phosphine on venus it'll be it'll be coming out at the end of the month and we're really excited to have it uh to be talking about that yeah that should be a lot of fun So yeah, that's, I think, it from us when it comes to this intro podcast. Do come join us for Phosphine on Venus, and we'll see you when we talk about Venus. Thanks for listening to the Queen's Observatory's Fast Radio Burst. We hope you enjoyed this walk through the universe. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us via email at queensuobservatory at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as the Queen's University Observatory to stay up to date. If you like this podcast, you can help us by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. This will help us become more visible and spread the wonders of the universe to more people. That is all from us. We'll be back again with another exciting topic in astronomy.